All right, if you would take your Bibles, we will begin in Luke chapter 1 tonight. Luke chapter 1. And I thought here with this service, well, at first we weren't planning on having a service. We were just going to have a game night. And I thought, well, we usually have a Sunday night service, and we're going to be here at the church. We might as well. And it's always a blessing to be able to worship God. And I thought here with this being the tail end of Christmas and also almost a new year with time on our minds, I came across this and I thought this might be a fascinating study for us. It's kind of different than the sermons we usually have preaching through a book. Right now we're going through Joel on Sunday nights, but try to figure out what the real date of Christmas is. Is, is, that, is that even possible? We... Uh, I, th- I think it is, and we're going to do kind of, we're going to do some investigative work and looking at some portions of Scripture that I think can help us, and then see what what we can learn from it. And I I know we've got a lot of fun to come even here afterwards, so I'll try not to be too long-winded, but I think this can be a fun study. But I think it is it is possible to find the date of Christmas, and. And that's what we're going to try to do. Now, what, what day do we celebrate Christmas? What's, what's the date? Jesus Michelle? Birthday. Jesus' birthday. And what, what, what date is it, though? Christmas. Christmas, yeah. Do you, do, you, do, you, do, you, do you know the date? 25th. The 25th. Hey, all right. December 25th. Very good. And we, and we just celebrated that last week, right? So, you know, it's, a, it's always a wonderful time of year. Now, why do you suppose... We celebrate Christmas on December 25th. I mean, I, it's Jesus' birthday. Yeah, I mean, when you get looking at it, um, it actually, the Christmas, Christmas was, what, what's that? What's that? That's the date he was born. It was, you're right. Yeah, we're, we're going to look a little more deeply here. It wasn't until the, three, the 300s A.D. that we actually celebrated Christmas on December 25th. It was actually winter solstice, which is the 21st of December, which is the shortest day of the year. That was, that was a pagan holiday, and that was actually celebrated as the birth of the sun god. And then from there on out, the days would get longer. And so that's kind of how they looked at that. And so the Catholic Church actually, I forget what the Pope's name was back in the 300s A.D. Uh, this is no good. We need to have a, have a Christian holiday instead of this pagan holiday. And so they, you know, they had this council and they decided, hey, well, let's, let's have Christmas. And they, for some reason, decided that Christ was conceived and killed on the same day is what they thought. So that would have been, of course, he died on Passover, March, I think in that year they decided it was March 25th. So if he was conceived the same day, 33 years earlier, then you know we, we get our date for December uh, 25th. So that's kind of how we settled on that and here for hundreds of years, for what, 1700 years, We've celebrated on December 25th, but not really knowing when he was born. But most scholars agree 
that that's not the actual date. That's, that's when we celebrate it. But can we really know? Now, actually, in this information age and with technology and computers and mapping of the stars and different things, we can actually start to realize what the actual date of Christmas is. And so now I'm not saying that the date we're going to come up with in this message is the date, but it very well could be. And so it's just something to keep in mind. But uh, just, a, just a fascinating study. So this is based a lot on Dr. Ernest Martin's 96, 1996 book, The Star of Bethlehem, The Star That Astonished the, the World. And there's other, other people that agree with it as well. So we'll see. But let's, let's go ahead and pray tonight. And... Just ask for the Lord's blessing, and then we'll dig into this study. Heavenly Father, we we thank you tonight for this time to be together. We thank you for this opportunity to worship you, to think about the birth of Christ, when it may have taken place. We thank you that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was willing to come to earth and be born as a baby. And we, we rejoice in that. We know he came ultimately to to live the sinless life he did and to die on the cross for us, to purchase our salvation, and we're thankful. Lord, I just pray tonight that you guide us in this study, help us to learn some things. We thank you that you're in, you're in control of all things, even the precise intricacies of Scripture that, that are just fascinating. And so, Lord, we just we pray tonight for your blessing. We thank you for this time together. I pray you fill me with your spirit. And may, may we learn, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we're going to be doing some investigative work, some, some detective work. Uh, but I'm going to try to keep this as simple as I can. But I, I was pretty in, intrigued with this. Uh, but here we're in Luke chapter 1, hopefully. You've found that in your, in your Bibles. And the first point is clues from Zacharias. Now here, this is Zacharias, the father of Elizabeth, or no, the husband of Elizabeth, father of John the Baptist. But Zacharias was a priest. Let's just, let's just look at the, uh, start, let's just start reading here, Luke 1, verse 5, and read a few verses here. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. And you can, you can say Zechariah or Zacharias, same one of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years. Now that's the polite way to say it, but they were advanced in years, and biblically that means they were over 60. So they were, they were over 60, childless. Uh, now, verse 8, Now while they were serving as priests before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. So we'll stop there for right now. But here we have Zacharias, this priest, of the division of Abijah. And what that means, 
Actually, if you if you go back to First Chronicles 24, about a thousand years earlier, King David was he he helped to establish the order of worship for the temple in Jerusalem. First Chronicles 24, and which which tribe is the priestly tribe, the tribe of Israel? The Levites. That's right, there were the 12 tribes of Israel, but the Levites were chosen to be the priestly tribe. If you were born in that family, the males would serve as priests. And it was only for a limited time, I think it was only from the ages of 30 to 50, uh, you, you could serve as a priest. But in First Chronicles 24, it does lay it out here, the... The divisions. Um, look at verse 5. So they divided them by lot, all, all alike, for they were sacred officers and officers of God, both among the sons of Eleazar and the sons of Ithamar. But here, here they're trying to decide which priests will serve in the temple during which weeks during the calendar year. And if you go down to verse 7, it says the first lot, and this is how they determine God's will a lot of times. They would cast these lots, and I don't know exactly how it worked, but they would cast something however it would land, would be how it would be. But it, it lists out here from verses 7 down to 18. We're not going to read through it. All these, there's a lot of difficult names to say. But it, there's 24 different divisions that, that are given. And each, each one of these would serve a week. They would serve a week, starting with the beginning of the, the religious year, which was at Passover in the spring. So, so beginning there, they would each serve a week. Now look down at verse 10. The seventh to Hekaz, and the eighth to Abijah. So, so, so there we have it. So out of the 24, you have Ab Abijah, and then his lineage through the coming generations, through the coming thousand years during this particular week, they, you know, they, they would serve in the temple. So we can actually know when that took place. There's a Jewish book called the Mishnah. If you ever heard of the Mishnah, but it's, it's a Jewish book that lays out a bunch of specifics, including the specific weeks in the calendar year when these di divisions would serve. And actually they would serve, they would serve for a week and then about six months later, they would serve a second week. And it was from noon on the Sabbath to noon on the following Sabbath that they would serve. And then for the three pilgrim festivals that all the Jewish males had to go to the temple, that you know, all these priests would come together and they would all serve because there's so many people at the temple. And so... What we know from the Mishnah is that Zacharias, of, uh, from the division of Abijah, if you go back to Luke chapter 1, he, his week in, in the year that's generally agreed on is 4 BC, was May 19th to 26th. May 19th to 26th would be, in, I guess, the equivalent of in, in our calendar. So... He, right after that is actually the week of Pentecost, or Shavuot. So he, 
he actually served that week, and then he served the following week. So he was actually serving in the temple from, for, two, for two consecutive weeks. So about May 19th to 1st of June or so, probably June 2nd. So back to Luke chapter 1, if you think about that date of May 19th, mid to late May, for the time of Zechariah, he's, he's there, he goes into the temple to burn the incense, and he's in the Holy of Holies. And as and we aren't going to read the whole passage here, but Gabriel, the angel of the Lord, appears to him. The angel that, that's given here. And what's, what's Gabriel say to him? To Zechariah. Your, yeah, your wife is going to have a baby. And that baby, if you look down at verse... Well, let's just continue on. Verse 11 of Luke 1. And there appeared to him an angel of, of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Do you think he was su surprised to see that? <laughs> I would have been. And Zechariah, troubled, he was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. And the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. So this is a pretty amazing message, isn't it? Here, Zechariah and Elizabeth, both advanced in years. But I, I love that there when it says, your prayer has been heard. How long do you think Zechariah and Elizabeth have been praying for children? Years. Years. Do you think at this point they maybe had given up praying? <laughs> You know, maybe just accepting, hey, maybe it's not God's will for us to have children. And perhaps that's the case. We don't know for sure. But I think there's a principle here. God hears our prayer. And even if it's years or decades later, God will answer when, when his time is right. And, and, we, and we, we see that here. But so the, the point is, it's mid to late May uh, into early June of 4 BC. So that's our first clue uh, for the timing. And then the second point is clues from Elizabeth, his wife. And look at Luke, Luke 1.23, just down there a little bit further. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. Now, now what, now what time did we say that, that was? When was his service ended? Well, at the end of May, maybe very beginning of June or so. That's, so he fulfilled his time. Remember, he, was, he didn't believe the angel, and so he was struck mute, I and mean, he couldn't speak anymore. Uh, and that just amazed him, amazed the people. But he didn't just give up. I mean, he, he continued to serve until his time was finished. And he'd probably been waiting for months and months. He'd been waiting for a long time to serve. And now he, so he fulfills that time and then he goes home. 24 says, after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach from among people. So they, they go home. It's here, it's early June of 4 BC. They, you know, they're intimate. 
And she, she conceives in June. And, and how long does she hide herself? Five months. So if that's June, you got June to July, August, September, October, November. So, so, no, so November would be the fifth month, right? And December would be the sixth month. As if, you, if you look at that next verse, verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent, and of course in that passage he goes to Mary. So the sixth month, that's the sixth month of the pregnancy of Elizabeth with John the Baptist. So as you come to, you know, well, there you go. For five months, she, she hides herself. And that was, I, I wonder why she hid herself. Why do you suppose that Elizabeth hid herself? Here this elderly woman in that culture for sure. Well, no, they were together. They were, they, they, they were together. Now, the priests, they would actually go back. We don't know where exactly they lived. It just says in the hill country of Judea. But the, the priests would, you know, the rest of the year, they would offer sacrifices in the, in the communities where they were and just um, pray and that sort of thing. But you know, maybe, to, you know, there, there would have been confusion and people would have wondered, what is going on? You're pregnant? This is such a different thing. But she hides herself. Um, but in the sixth month, in December, uh, we, you know, we see that that's when Gabriel appears to Mary. So the next point is clues from Mary. Clues from Mary. So hopefully you're tracking so far. Does this make sense to you so, so far? Okay. So we're in 4 BC. We're to November or December here, Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. But then you have clues from Mary. And here in this, in this story here where Gabriel appears to Mary, this is in the sixth month of, of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So December of 4 BC. And, you know, I'm not going to read through the whole passage, but she is told by Gabriel that she will bear a son. Now, now who's, who's her son going to be? Jesus. Jesus, that's right. The son of God. And that's, who, that's what we're looking at here. Um, down to verse 34, she asks the obvious question, how will this be since I am a virgin? And then she gets the answer there in 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And so she, she started to understand this. Now look at verse 36. And behold, the relative, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the first, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. So what, what do you think Mary thinks about that when she hears the news about Elizabeth? Her, her relative. Yeah, she's probably excited about it, and startled, su 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 surprised, shocked that she's conceived. Now I wonder when the conception took place. Here, when Christ was conceived in Mary, we we don't know, but there is a clue here in verse thirty-six when Gabriel says, "Your relative Elizabeth 
in her old, old age, has also conceived. So perhaps by this point, she had also she had conceived Christ. And also conceived a son. They already knew what it was. Right. Yeah, which is pretty amazing, especially in that day and age. Uh, so, so we see that here. She says, "Let it be to me according to your word." She she doesn't understand all the specifics, but she trusts the Lord, and she she's okay with it. She she just simply trusts the Lord as we all should when we don't understand the details of our lives. And go down to verse. Well, yeah, verse 39 as we continue on. In those days, so we're talking about what what month now? December, right? In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And so, so she goes on this trip to Zechariah and Elizabeth. And... You go down to verse 56. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. So if she arrived in December and she stays for three months, how long did she stay? Or to what month do you suppose? March. Yeah, she stayed. And the general consensus of when John the Baptist was born was March 10th or so of that 3 BC and she she basically stays with 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 Elizabeth until she delivers John and then she returns home as well so so how so so when Mary comes home how far along is she it, in March three yeah, three months right yeah she would have been three three months along in March so all right, so hopefully this is all making sense. All right, clues from the weather. This is point four. Clues from the weather. Luke 2. And it says there, In those days, verse 1, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered or taxed. I mean, this was a, a census to register the, the known world at that time. This was the first registration while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And so we know as the account goes that there is this registration. And we don't have any details as to time of year here, right? In, in this account given. But we can look at some of the historical context and what other scholars have written about it. And... Where, where were Mary and Joseph living? At, what's that? Nazareth. Nazareth. And so that's way up north in Galilee. And it's about a 90-mile journey down to, down to Bethlehem. 90 miles. Which, I don't know how long that would take to journey. Uh, I think it was four or five days, I think it said. Five days? Hey, all right. So, and that's, that's quite a journey. Uh, now, according to... Uh, one historian, he says, a census by the Romans would, hard, would hardly have been in very early spring or late autumn, and certainly not in winter. You know, as they traveled, they didn't have cars, they didn't have, uh, you know, they, they weren't shielded from the harsh weather 
And over in Israel, it's generally the same climate as we have here. You know, here, there in winter now as well. So it's cold. I don't know if it gets quite as cold as it, it gets here in Iowa. But they, they generally would, uh, Ramsey here writes that the normal time for censuses was August to October. August to October was generally when they would have you know, the travel time. So it was, they would call for a census and it would go for several years but during the travel season. And so, you know, it's during that early autumn time. And so we're looking at 3 BC. Then you look at the shepherds, verse 8. Familiar with this from the Christmas account, but in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. They hear they're watching the sheep. And, you know, generally, I think it's, you know, here we're, we're looking toward, if, she's, if she conceived in December, we're aiming toward a September birth. And in September, there's several Jewish festivals, several Jewish festivals. Rosh Hashanah, which is the Feast of Trumpets, which is the new year. There's Yom Kippur. Uh, so, 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 many, so many festivals. They would have need, needed sheep for sacrifice and all that. So it's believed that these sheep were actually sheep that were being raised for sacrifice in the temple. And they very well could be. And so the, the demand was greatest you know, coming into September. Which, which would have made sense here. Um, but, you know, so, so, we're, so we're looking at a general idea there with the travel for the census and even with the time for the shepherds watching the, the sheep. So hopefully that makes sense so far. The fifth point, and this is kind of the climax here, is clues from the skies. Clues from the skies. And as we look at the astronomy as we look at the stars now back in that day there was a lot more you know, you know there wasn't the pollution with lights that we have now it's harder to see the stars with our with our lights that we have in cities people back then knew the stars and the constellations a lot more than we do today you know i can look up in the sky i can recognize the big dipper that's about it and you know i don't, I don't know about you um but as you look here at this prophecy, I want you to turn to Revelation 12. And this is very fascinating, I believe. As you think about the birth of Christ. Now, in Revelation, there is, there is some symbolism. And in Revelation 12, well, let's just read it here. But the symbolism, the, the woman always have seen to be Israel or, or Mary who gives birth to the Son, Jesus Christ. But there's a little more going on here. It starts in verse 1 of Revelation 12. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and crying out in birth pains of the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns. And on his head 
on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to the male child, which that'd be Christ, right? Who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. So I want, I want us really to focus on verse 1, though, right now, looking at the timing of his birth. Here we're shooting toward perhaps a September birthday. And it says there, a great sign appeared in heaven. A great sign. Now, there, in Scripture, there are actually three heavens. I don't know if you realize that. There, the first heaven would be, you know, you go outside and what you can see in the sky, this realm that we live in, that's the first heaven. And it's where the birds fly, uh, you know, not, not too high, but that's the first heaven. You get out into outer space with the stars, the, the, you know, the sun, the moon, everything up there, the planets, that's the second heaven. And then the third heaven, that's where God dwells. That's where the New Jerusalem is. That's where uh, the, that's that's the presence of God. So the first, second, and third heaven. Now, I think this here is talking about the second heaven, up in outer space, because of the clues. It says she's clothed. She's clothed with with what? What's what's she clothed with in verse one? With the sun. I mean, that's a celestial being, right? That's that's the star that our planet orbits. Clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet. That's very obscure and strange language, isn't it? Um, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. And that could be symbolic of, of course, the 12 tribes of Israel. But here, we're going to be talking a little bit about astronomy, but it is right to look up at the stars and to... You know, sometimes God reveals his will and his timing with the stars. Genesis 1, 14, on day 4 of creation, says, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens, God says, to separate the day from the night. And let them, that's talking about the stars, let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. So the stars and the sun and the moon are not just for timing as we live our, our regular lives. They are also for signs. And here we see a sign that says in verse 1. And I love Psalm 19, 1. You probably know it well. But the heavens declare the glory of God. And the, the, firm, the sky above pro, pro, proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. But the heavens declare the glory of God. And I think... As you look at the celestial stars, the, the order and the movement of the stars, it's just, it does, it de declares the glory of God. We see a great and glorious and all-powerful God. Um, but ast astronomy, now we need to be careful. As Christians, we should stay away from astrology. That's very dangerous. Now, do you, do you know the difference between astronomy and astrology? The sound is similar. What's the difference? 
Astronomy. Yeah, one is one deals with witchcraft. Astronomy is the science of studying the movement of the stars and uh, the physical universe. But astrology looks at all that and along with well, sorcery and, and trying to determine what, what do those tell me? How, how should I live my life? You know, that's where we get horoscopes and, and the different zodiac signs and trying to live your life by the stars. That's wrong. That's, Satan has perverted that. Uh, but here, just looking at astronomy, though, um, I want you to go over to Job. What's the verse here? Job 38. It actually talks about this. Job 38. Here when God is talking to Job. Job 38, verses 31 to 33. So God is questioning Job here and showing his greatness here in creation, all that he made. But he says in verse 31, Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? These are the constellations. Can you lead forth the Maseroth in their season? Maseroth means constellations. Or can you guide the bear with its children? Do you know the ordinances of of the heavens can you establish their rule on earth so here god is questioning job and he brings up the constellations and the systematic movement of the constellations and this is this is something that has been around for thousands of years because the order of the stars it continues you know you think about astronomy uh, we have you think about how the earth moves Every day, it rotates once, counterclockwise, every 24 hours. It orbits the, the nearest star, the sun, once every 365 days as it does that. 365.2422 days. Um, and then you have the solstices, the, the two solstices, the two equinoxes, all those things. But every day... For 365 days, the Earth, you know, the, from our perspective, as we look up at the stars, there are 12 constellations. Uh, every 30 days or so, the sun will rise in, in the general region of one of the constellations. And so that's the house of the zodiac. Abby, can, can you go to the, the next slide? All right, here's a picture of the 12 zodiac signs. Um, and there you have Earth and the Sun right there. And you see the constellations from the perspective of Earth. And for 30 days, the Sun will rise uh, along one of those constellations. And then it moves along, and then the next one starts, uh, so on and so forth through the whole year. Does that, that make sense? Uh, so a lot of times in the biblical times, they, they wouldn't refer to months if they were thinking about a season or a particular time of year. They would talk about the constellation. Like here, God says the, the bear. I forget which one of those is, is the bear. Um, but 
There you have Leo the lion. You have Virgo. You have all these different ones, but it progresses. So you have these constellations, and these are houses of the zodiac, it's called. And here in Revelation 12, if you go back to Revelation 12, what is the clue we have there? It says, A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun. A woman. So which one of those do you suppose is, is the woman? Virgo. It's, it's the only woman. I think it's the only person, I, I believe. Uh, but it's the only, it's the only uh, female there. Virgo. It's the... Not just a woman, it's, it's the virgin, which is even more amazing when you think about that for the virgin birth of Christ. Uh, so here it says, a woman clothed with, with the sun. And what that means is during this time, of course, we're looking at about September of 3 B.C., for you know, the birth of Christ, as you look there, during this, during the constellation of Virgo, when the sun comes up on Virgo, is between, I think it's late August and September. That's the time of year for, for the Virgo constellation. And to be clothed with the sun, there are certain times during that, I forget how, how many, uh, I think it's, it's 30 days, during that constellation, but for about 20 days of that, there is a certain time when the sun will actually look to clothe Virgo. It will actually be in the position of where the clothing would be on, on the woman, like, you know, halfway or so. Uh, so, you know, that kind of narrows it down. But if you look at the, just to simplify this, verse 1 there, it says, a woman clothed with the sun, so it's the time of Virgo, with the moon under her feet. Now this really is where it gets specific. The moon under her feet. Now I'm not as, as smart as a lot of these astronomers you know, who have looked into this and have written on it. But if, if, you, if you look at this, we're looking at sometime in probably mid-September. There is a, you, go, you have this 20-day period when the sun is said to clothe Virgo. The sun is actually in the constellation. But when the moon is under her feet, there is a time, and with, you can actually, if you know how to do this, and astronomers do, you can chart the stars backward to, to specific days. And you can actually see from the perspective, uh, you know, from, from different places on Earth, what, you could, what the skies would have looked like, and where the sun and the moon were in relation to these constellations. And you narrow it down from 20 days down to... Oh, what was it? 81 to 90 minutes is what they were able to narrow it down to uh, with, because the moon is under the feet. Abby, go to the next slide. Oh, okay, here, here we have, well, Virgo and Leo. Go, go to the next one. There's another picture of Virgo and another one. Okay, one, 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 one more. Okay, stop there. All right, so here's, here's a picture from, from this book I was looking at. And there you have, you can kind of see the lion there. You see, you see the lion? That's Leo. And that's the constellation that comes right before Virgo. See, 
You see the woman there, she's kind of laying down, or, and she's, but she's right after Leo the lion. And by the way, Leo is the kingly or the royal constellation. That's the one that's seen to be the, the one that rules all the, all the rest of the constellations. And so that's important. But following Leo is, is Virgo. And it has all those arrows there. And you probably can't read that. But it, um, it says uh, the moon 7 p.m. on September 6th. And that's the one that has the arrow down to the lion there. But if you, oh, here, here we go. Okay, so it has the different positions of the moon each day. You have September 7th, September 8th, September 9th. And actually, I cut it off there. But the one day where the moon is under the feet of the woman is September 11th, uh, around 7 o'clock at night. Because then the next day, it would actually be in the middle of the next constellation. So, hopefully that makes sense. I know this probably is very complicated to explain. Uh, but that's, that's generally what, what, we're, what we're looking at here. So go to the next slide there, Abby. Uh, go, go one more. All right, so this is really where we're coming to, I think. I mean, this, this could be the, the time when Christ was born, September 11th. 3 B.C. And that's a little bit different than we usually celebrate, isn't it? September 11th. And generally, when, they, when the moon is visible, back there on that day, according to, to astronomers, that's when it's believed that Christ was to have been born. I thought this was pretty fascinating. Now, this could be, this very well could be true if you, you, know, if you look at those zodiacal signs. So what do we see here? Um, oh, I, I did want to point out a couple other things. Amazingly, on that very, at that very time, when the Virgo, when, when the sun was clothing Virgo and you had the moon under the feet of the constellation, remember the, the previous constellation, Leo the lion? The priest, or the, the kingly, the royal constellation. Well, the, the, the royal star is Regulus, that's the kingly star, was at that very moment converging with the king planet, Jupiter. And on that very day, you could, you know, maybe this is what the wise men were, were seeing from Babylon. They were looking up and they could see all this taking place. The, the sun and the moon, which is very rare, to be in Virgo. And then in the kingly, constellation you have the king star and the king planet that are coming t together and they even say there was retrograde motion with jupiter which means that instead of jupiter just going in a, a simple arc it actually would go around and it would come around and do a loop and then go back and that took about a week or two and this took place right in the middle of that so it's almost like from the view of perhaps the wise men, they would see Jupiter was circling this kingly Leo the lion as Virgo shows the birth of the sun. So this is very fascinating. Uh, hopefully that makes sense <laughs> to you. Uh, but that's, from people a lot smarter than me, they, they say 
per, per, perhaps it was September 11th, 3 BC. Uh, so I'm not sure when they actually established BC and AD. You would think that the birth of Christ would be exactly right in the middle, because before Christ, but it was actually BC. So just some points of application here. Uh, let's, let's rejoice in the majesty of God. You think about creation. And in that verse in Genesis 1:14, where he created the sun and the moon, and I, I just love how it says in four words, and the stars also. Very simply, he just spoke it into creation. Well, in with all that, he, in his infinite wisdom and power, he knew, he knew that the constellations would be formed and that mankind would call them certain things and study the constellations. And he knew the very timing of the birth of Christ and how it would all line up. I mean, isn't, that, isn't that amazing? And it all fits t together just um, um, amazingly so with the lion, with the Virgo, and just amazing to comprehend. Um, and let's you know, re rejoice, of course, because, because of the fact that God sent his son into this world. Christmas. You know, he, he sent his son to this world to seek and save those who are lost. All of us. We all need to be saved. One other thing stood out to me. You think of September 11th. What comes to mind when you think of that day? 9-11. The, yeah, 9-1-1. You think of the tragedy that occurred in 2001. And uh, Satan, God's enemy, is always out to destroy and corrupt anything God, God creates. And it's pretty clear, and I don't know how long they've known this with the astronomical science, but with the Mishnah, which has been around for thousands of years, they, they would have known that Christ was born in September. Uh, here we celebrate it in December. So Satan, I think, tries to, tries to twist God's plan and get somehow he convinced people to, to celebrate the birth of Christ on a made-up day. It wasn't actually his, his birthday. Um, but I think Satan just loved you know, what, what he's done here. When, now when you come to September 11th, it's such a somber day. It's per, perhaps the most reflective day of, of the year as you think about the terrorist attacks. And it's not a day of celebration whatsoever. And I think Satan was, was, be, was behind that. And he, he twisted that, where it went from a day of celebration, or it should have been a day of celebration, to a time of mourning and loss. So... Am I saying we should celebrate Christmas on September 11th? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying we should change the date. It's culturally ex accepted to, to celebrate the birth of Christ on the 25th of December. But um, when you come to September 11th, just, just keep it in mind. Hey, per perhaps this was the day Christ was born. Um, a thought came to my mind, and it probably could just stay there, but... We have our Christmas in October. We can maybe change it to Christmas in September. I don't know. <laughs> but 
just some fascinating things to think about. So let's go ahead and close in prayer. We'll sing a quick song and then we can go downstairs and enjoy some food and some games. So Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for, for this study. We thank you for the intricacies of, of scripture. We thank you for the timing. And here we can see with the timing of Zacharias and with, and with different things uh, that Christ was perhaps born in September. But Lord, we just thank you that you are in full control and you create everything with precision and accuracy. And it's all according to your perfect plan. And we do thank you for Christ and his birth. We thank you that he came to this world to, to seek and save the, the lost, to die in our place on that cross. Thank you for salvation through faith in Christ. And Lord, we, we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.